Hello, my friends, and welcome to this episode of Numa. Before all else, I want to thank you for the ongoing support and the heartfelt encouragement with which you've honored me, which have been to my soul as wind to a sail. Inspired and uplifted by your positive comments, ratings, and feedback, I've decided to put forth two new series, Jog Your Mind, in which I talk unscripted about the weighty ideas that bounce around my head while out on my morning run and fall asleep with me, in which I read you, and not infrequently myself, to sleep. Having listened back to myself a few times before posting, I can attest to my genius for drowsiness and my soporific powers. In a word, it really does work. Verily, I think I was given voice by the author of this world to put people to sleep, to save them the cost of acquiring melatonin or the peril of imbibing alcohol, and, when used in combination, inducing sleep in a most unwholesome way. Consider me your non-pharmaceutical, liver-preserving sleep aid. Please, give those two series, Jog Your Mind and Fall Asleep With Me, a listen, and let me know what you think. If you find them useful and interesting, I'll continue on with them. I also plan to film the Jog Your Mind episodes, which will be posted on my forthcoming YouTube channel. If you'd like me to do so, I can also film the sleep series. That said, we move on to today's episode, which is focused on perfecting your posture. The sheer number and variety of things at which we humans are almost innately skillful are truly remarkable. We can gather and combine into tribes and societies, establish constitutions, organize governments, develop businesses, pursue sciences, erect housing, extract energy from the soil, wind, water, and sun, create families, raise children, impart morals, produce art, perform music, run hundreds of miles, craft utensils, philosophize, sympathize, and commit ourselves to God or the well-being of our fellow man. We can think discursively, combine politically, create artistically, and seek, unlike any other animal of which I am aware, the ultimate end, eudaimonia, the state of perfect contentment and sublime happiness toward which we all orient this life. Without ever fully shaking off our speculations, hopes, or fears about the possibility of another, better life to come. But one thing, perhaps the most basic thing, for which we have absolutely no talent, is maintaining good posture. We simply cannot do it. Look around at your colleagues at work, 
at your fellow passengers on the bus or train, at your neighbors as they walk by your house, at the countless people by whom you are surrounded each and every day. Very seldom will you detect among them a body held properly, a well-ordered, soundly structured, healthy posture. Now, before you go on judging everyone else for their failure to carry themselves in a graceful, easy, dignified, and anatomically appropriate way, don't overlook yourself. I hazard to say that you too are slouching like the rest, navigating this world with shoulders raised and rounded, chest collapsed, head forward, chin protruding, glutes disengaged, and mouth agape. Please, prove me wrong. I'd like nothing better. Recruit someone, anyone really, to snap two quick photos of you, one from the side in profile and one from the front. Examine them closely. If you are displeased by what you see, pay close attention to the following instructions. They will perfect your posture. If, however, after scrutinizing yourself, you've determined that your posture has already attained its utmost perfection, listen to this anyway. It'll be a good opportunity to reaffirm the good posture to which you've already habituated yourself. The way in which you hold yourself, the way in which you carry yourself, begins with your feet. The feet, in order to serve you, must be restored to their state of primitive freedom. Remove your shoes and let your heels, midfoot, forefoot, and toes reconnect with the ground. In a standing position, sway a little bit forward, a little bit backward. Splay your toes as you shift your body weight forward again. Ease back to an intermediate position at which you feel as though your equilibrium, your balance, has been struck. You should feel multiple points of contact between your feet and the ground, all accepting their share of your weight's distribution. Your feet shouldn't be supinated, which is just a fancy term for the common position in which many overweight people find themselves. When the foot is in this position, the weight is distributed too much on the lateral or outer edge, over the bumpy ankle bone on the outside. 
this is no good. Nor is its opposite a pronated foot, common among those with knocked knees. This leads to flat feet and the collapse of your foot's mighty arch. Alas, some of your feet may resist or be far beyond corrective action at this time, but try your best to locate their perfect center of balance. You want to fix them in a neutral place. Distribute your weight through them evenly, and don't neglect the engagement of your toes. Working your way up your legs, from the neutral feet to the strong and stacked ankles, hastening up to the shin muscles and the calves, will now attend to the knees. Do not extend them completely. Don't push them back to their utmost extension. They should not be rigid like a plank of wood, but ever so slightly bent, angled, as that same piece of wood might be if submerged halfway in water. The quadriceps, your thigh muscles, should be engaged and lively, but not excessively so. The muscles from which you will want full participation, however, are your glutes, your gluteal muscles, maximus, minimus, those at which we all want the opposite sex staring. A truth applicable not only to the ladies, by whose religious devotion to these miraculous muscles I am forever astonished, but to the gentlemen as well. You have permission. Give them a nice, firm squeeze. This will bring your pelvis into alignment if it's anteriorly or forward tilted. As you do this, exhale and tighten your abdomen. Pull your belly button toward your spine, between which you'll want to feel a little bit of resting tension. It should not be so tight that you could, without flinching, absorb a punch from the heavyweight boxing champion Tyson Fury, nor so flabby that a playful poke, a Pillsbury tickle, would bowl you over. Now, with a tightened lower abdomen, I want you to extend your torso slightly. Do this by inhaling with your diaphragm. This should cause the upper part of your abdomen to expand, 
while the lower portion remains taut. As you breathe in, allow the ribs to flare out a bit and, at the same time, let the chest protrude forward by a small amount. Perfect. As the chest protrudes ever so slightly forward, bring your shoulders down and back. You'll want a bit of tension between your shoulder blades. You'll want to rotate your shoulders outward so that your thumbs, resting at about the upper third of the thigh, are pointed forward. They should rest just below your pockets. If your pinky finger, your smallest finger, is occupying this spot, your shoulders are likely too far forward. Very good. Finally, working our way up, we'll address the neck and the head. Induce your neck to join your shoulders in their dignified retraction backward. Tis a noble retreat. Recruit and employ these unglorified yet essential muscles by which the base of the skull is joined to the neck. Your head, led by your cervical spine muscles, your neck muscles, should move back almost imperceptibly. Carry with it your chin. Perform this simple, almost unnoticeable motion called a chin tuck. But I don't want you to Bring your chin back, merely. And I certainly don't want you to bring it back and down, as if to affect a double chin. Bring it back, rather, and raise it up. Yes, back and up. That's it. That's the secret to an elegant posture before which kings will bow and queens will blush. Raise it just a hair higher than it would sit at neutral. Not so high that you look like a haughty, self-important baron with acres and acres of aristocratic estate. High enough, rather, to exude confidence, self-possession, virtue, and greatness. It was Oscar Wilde who said that style largely depends on the way the chin is worn. That's right.
Style largely depends on the way the chin is worn. No ornamentation by expensive jewels, no amount of makeup, eyeliner, lipstick, nor Botox can save a face whose chin is carelessly held. Indeed, the chin, more even than the mouth beneath which it sits, speaks volumes and proclaims, before the smallest quiver of the lips, the elegance gracefulness, and style of the face. The chin is a fashion statement all its own, for which there is no passing season, trend, or fad. If worn well, if worn as I described, it's always stylish and becoming. If worn well, it may as well be carved in marble. Try it. Wear your chin a little higher. You'll think better of yourself. Moving directly upward from the chin, enter your mouth. This is an important, though largely overlooked, aspect of posture to which you must attend. If your mouth is open, close it. Close it at once. In two, and only two instances, should it ever be open. When speaking, which should be rarely done, and when eating or drinking, which should be done still more rarely. Your lips should be touching, but the teeth should not. Maintain between them a small amount of separation. At the very most, your front teeth should be resting easily on your front bottom teeth. With moderate firmness, press your tongue against the roof of your mouth. Again, your bottom and top rows of teeth should either not touch or touch only faintly. Your tongue, however, and the upper portion of your palate should be in firm, constant contact. Inhale slowly through your nose. Exhale in just the same way. This is the ideal mouth posture. It builds integrity into your face.
That said, above all, you should avoid clenching your jaw. This will be impossible if you follow the steps I've laid out above. The tongue pressed on the roof of the mouth will give just enough upward pressure to prevent this from happening, as will the separation of your teeth. Finally, you'll want to take note of the position of your brow. If furrowed, let it recoil back to its higher, friendlier, more restful and inviting position. If, on the contrary, you tend to arch your brows, unsuspend them a little bit. Let them fall back to a gentle, neutral position. Proper jaw and brow posture will do much toward the prevention of unwelcome headaches, both in your temples and in the front part of your head. And, last but not least, attend to your eyes. Allow them to gaze inquiringly, playfully, intelligently, warmly at all there is to see. Blink slowly. Refresh them. Scan left to right and right to left. There's much to see. Now, through the nose, take a deep breath in. And with the mouth closed, let the air go. Let it exit the same door through which it came. Let's repeat this three times. Survey your body as you stand there breathing. Notice your feet as you shift from the soles to the toes, splaying the ladder out and evenly distributing your weight. Move up to the legs toward the knees, which should have a slight 
bend to them. Move upward to the glutes, the buttock muscles, from which all your strength and your comeliness is derived. Continue on to the abdomen, which should be gently engaged. Onward to your chest, which should be pointed out just a bit. To your shoulders, which should be down, back, and rotated outward just ever so slightly. To your arms and your hands, which should be pointed forward. Back to your shoulder blades, between which there should be a little active tension. Up to your neck, which should be retracted backward, and to your chin, which should be stylishly worn. On to your mouth, which should be closed and gentle, and your jaw, which should be unclenched and free. your brows, which should be unfurrowed and in a neutral position, and your eyes, which should be peaceful, at ease, and curious to all the splendor at which they have the ability to look. Scan your body from toes to top, feet to head, and back down again. There you have it. You've perfected your posture. It's flawless, elegant, dignified, balanced, tranquil, unperturbed, strong, quiet, confident, perfect in every way. I want you to create a physical memory of this posture. If, perchance, you forget it, simply replay this episode. And if you're able to bother your partner one more time, have him or her take another photograph of you. Compare your posture now with that taken earlier.
And that will do it for this episode of Numa, from which you should depart with your posture not only intact, but perfected. Do me the kindness, reward my exertions, flatter my vanity, tickle my self-esteem, pad my numbers by giving me a five-star rating. Four will not do. Three is simply intolerable. I will accept five or nothing. If the platform on which you're listening allows it, leave me a review of the glowing, uh, approbatory kind, of course. If you feel so inclined, send me a photo of your posture, both before and after having listened to this episode. With your consent, I might even feature it on my website, which is in its last phase of development, and soon will be live. Check out the rest of my episodes, and tune in for some forthcoming YouTube videos. Finally, we must part. But before we do, I remind you of one last thing. Style is largely dependent on the way the chin is worn. Wear it well, my friends. Wear it well. I bid thee farewell. From Numa. <laughs>